in Colossians, in chapter 1 of Colossians. And the last two weeks, we've been walking through the six verses from 15 to 20, the most Christ-centered verses in all the New Testament. And we're going to just pick up the last few verses of verses 19 and 20, and then we'll keep going down to verse 23. So I want to read this for us. And uh, listen, this is God's word. It was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross through him. I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven, although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. If indeed you continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. The word of the Lord. Let's spend just a moment in prayer. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we call upon you now, and and we ask that you would help us. Help us to, to take this word, this good news, and take it into the very center of our lives, that we might experience reconciliation with you and with one another. And we might go as ministers of reconciliation to a world in desperate need of knowing that there is a reconciler. There is someone who can bring us back to our Heavenly Father, back to home. Father, I pray for for everyone here. Lord, there's so much that, that might draw our attention away. Lord, I pray that you'd help us. I pray for ears to hear and eyes to see Jesus. Father, we come this morning, many of us, we we have heavy hearts, we we grieve the loss of friends and family. Lord, others of us come with with sickness and and broken bodies, and, and we ask for your healing. Lord, some of us feel the need for reconciliation so acutely because we're in the midst of broken relationships in our homes and in our friendships. Oh, Lord, help us. Father, all of us could use some good news. So, Father, help us to hear it and help us to rejoice in it. All to the praise of your glory and grace, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, in 1975, there was a hit single. It got to number six on the Billboard list, and then it finished number 11 for the year. And we have any fans of funk in here? It was, why can't we be friends? Anybody ever heard that? Maybe you heard it in a commercial. You weren't in the disco. 
but you've heard it in a commercial today. Why can't we be friends? You want me to sing it? Okay. Why can't? 40 times in a four-minute song. Remember the name of the band? Anybody know? War. That's kind of ironic, right? War saying, why can't we be friends? 40 times in that four-minute song, they ask the question, why can't we be friends? You know what else happened in 1975? The Russians, the Soviets at the time, and the United States sent astronauts into space, and their two spacecraft joined in outer space, and they had a moment of peace. And you know what they did? They sent a signal back to Earth, and they played Why Can't We Be Friends by War. Now, it's 50 years later, and now the Russians have an army on the border of Ukraine, and now we see so much division in our culture. There's so much conversation about why can't we be friends? How are we going to find reconciliation between races and between wealthy and poor? And, and how are we going to pursue unity? You know what really drives me crazy? It's not that I have a hard time loving my enemy. It's not that I have a hard time loving people that are different from me. Although I do have a hard time with both those things. But you know what amazes me? Why can't we be friends? You know what amazes me is how hard it is for me to love the people that I love. Why is it so easy for me to be short with my spouse? Why is it so easy for me to be harsh with my kids? Why do I so quickly lose my temper? Why is it hard to love the people that I love? Can anything be done about that? Listen, never mind the Russians. What about us? Why can't we be friends? I want you to leave here this morning knowing the good news that Jesus brings reconciliation. Jesus reconciles us. The good news of the gospel is that a way has been made to reconcile us. And I want you to know the answer to three questions. I want you to know the answer to the question, Jesus reconciles us. He reconciles us. From what? And he reconciles us by what? And he reconciles us for what? Jesus reconciles us. He reconciles us from what? Remember the movie E.T.? There was a little, little girl who played uh, the little sister in E.T. Anyone remember her name? Drew Barrymore. Now, she followed up that success in E.T., and she came out with another movie. And the name of that movie was Irreconcilable Differences. And in that movie, Casey, Drew Barrymore, is a 10-year-old girl who sues her parents for divorce. 10-year-old girl sues her parents for divorce, and in the midst of the trial, this is what little Casey, Drew Barrymore, says, I'm just a kid, and I don't know what I'm doing sometimes. 
But I think about, I think you should know better when you're all grown up. I think you should know how to act and how to treat people. I think, I think if you once loved someone enough to marry them, you should at least be nice to them, even if you don't love them anymore. And I think that if you have a child, you should treat that child like a human being and not like a pet. Not like you treat your dog or something. You know, when you have a dog, sometimes you forget he's there. And then when you get lonely, suddenly you remember him and you remember how cute he is and stuff and and you kiss him a lot. But then the next day, when you're busy again, you don't notice him. That's how I've been treated for the past four years. You don't treat your kid like your dog. It's not right. Little Casey, you know, she's right. But you know what she does? She does what the Bible does. You see, the Bible is 10-year-old Casey peeling back the curtain and helping us see the reality that our biggest problem is that we're alienated from God. See, many, many people, they think that the problem is God's. Many people think that they have something against God, that God has done something to disappoint them. God has brought some circumstance into their life, and they don't like it. So they say, God, you need to reconcile yourself to me. And the Bible won't have any of that. The Bible says, no, 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 no. The problem is that you need to be reconciled to God. The problem is your hypocrisy. The problem is your foolishness. The Bible does what Casey does. It peels back and helps us see our hearts, what our hearts are really like. What are they like? See, the Bible says that we're alienated. The the Bible says we're hostile in mind. The, The Bible says that we've committed evil deeds. See, the Bible says that we lost it all. What are we reconciled from? We're reconciled from a place where we had lost it all. Now, many people think that we lost a lot, but we didn't lose it all. And I want you to know, we lost it all. Historians did a study. They looked at around 3,500 years of recorded history. And they found that in the 3,500 years of recorded history, do you know how much peace has broken out? 300 years. So in 3,500 years of recorded history, peace has broken out in less than 8% of recorded history. We desperately need reconciliation. We didn't lose a lot. We lost it all. We're, why the war? Why the, why the animosity? Why the trouble in our world? It's because fundamentally we're alienated from God. Jesus reconciles us from alienation. Jesus reconciles us from separation from God. The Bible says not only are we alienated, we're hostile in mind. None of us are neutral. 
We're hostile towards the things of God. We're hostile to truth. In Psalm 2, we read one of the great summaries of this hostility. The psalmist says, Why why are the nations in an uproar and, and the peoples devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. You know, hundreds of years after that psalm was written, God took on flesh and he walked among us. Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man. And you know what we did? We did exactly what Psalm 2 said we would do. We were hostile to him. And when we could get our hands on God, when God took on flesh and walked among us and got close enough to us, we didn't fall down and worship him. When he got close enough to us for us to grab him, we grabbed him and we nailed him to a cross. We're hostile. We're hostile in mind. None of us are neutral. None of us are predisposed to to spirituality. None of us are looking for God. We're hostile in mind, and we're engaged in evil deeds. Now, I talk to many, many, many Christians, and they all tell me how concerned they are for the decay in morality in our culture. And I'm concerned about that, too. But do you know what will actually give us a hearing amongst the broader culture, when we want to talk about sex or money or power and what the Bible has to say about sex and money and power, do you know what will give us a hearing? It's when we're honest. You see, I wasn't a good person desperately trying to get to know God. No, I was an evil person wrecking my life and dragging dozens of people down with me. And when we're honest, when we're honest about what Jesus Christ reconciled us from, then the world will look to us, not as the hypocrites that we are, not as the sinners that we are, but as the people who have credibility to be able to tell them the solution to our problem that we have been reconciled from. You see, Paul's speaking in this passage, not to those bad people out there. No, he's speaking to the people in the church. He says, listen, you were like this. You were alienated from God. You were hostile in mind. You were engaged in evil deeds. Oh, but God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit took on a great rescue mission to reconcile you from your lost condition. You say, well, Dave, why are you belaboring this point so long? Because if you don't understand the bad news, you'll never be amazed by the good news. If you're not, if you're not able to see where you were, you won't appreciate where you are by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. So where were we? We were 
alienated, hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds. Now, how did Jesus save us? How did he reconcile us? We're reconciled from that place. What are we reconciled by? And the verses I read tell us two things. We're reconciled by the blood of Jesus. And then parallel to that, we're reconciled by his death. We're reconciled by the blood of Jesus and by his death. That means that we had lost it all, but Jesus did it all. Jesus did it all. We're reconciled by Jesus' great work for us on the cross. And this is so important. Many people who start out, they say, well, we lost a lot. We didn't lose it all. It's hard for them to believe that we, Jesus did it all. If you understand that we lost it all, it's easy for you to believe that Jesus did it all. But if you just think that we lost a lot, then you're likely going to think that you're reconciled either by your good works alone or by some combination of your good works and Jesus. And that's religion. That's religion. That's not Christianity. That's not the gospel. The gospel says we lost it all, but Jesus did it all. Now, let me illustrate it this way. If I go to the store and I buy Sue Ellen some roses, I don't know, what would she be worth? A hundred? Two hundred? A thousand? Let's say I get her 12. That's much more likely to be true of me. I get her 12. I go home. I give her the flowers. She says, oh, honey, you remembered Valentine's Day. And I say, well, I really felt like I had to. How's it going? How are we doing? If I say, oh, honey, I was just doing my duty. How are we doing? Not so good. Listen, if you want to see something pathetic, go to Publix tomorrow at about 4.30. <laughs> go to Publix tomorrow about 4.30, and you'll see a string of men. I mean, they're going to look so sad. Their faces, are going to, they're going to be looking at those Valentine's cards. What do, I, what do I pick out? What do I do? It's pathetic. Guys, do yourself a failure. Go today. If you haven't already done something, go today. You know what's wrong with our works? Our, what's wrong with our works is the same thing that's wrong with those men in the line buying cards at 4.30 on Valentine's Day. It doesn't work. What's wrong with our works is that they just don't work. Jesus did it all for us. Jesus shed his blood, and Jesus died in our place. Why would the infinite Son of God, fully God and fully man, die for us? Because of the love of the Father and his love for us and the desire to reconcile us. There was no other way for us to be reconciled to God. God chose to take all of our sin. And on the cross, God put our sin, 
on Jesus. And Jesus took our punishment in our place. What we deserved, death, Jesus experienced. He died in our place as our substitute. Jesus did it all. Now that's the negative side of what Jesus did to save us. He, God put our sin on Jesus and Jesus died in our place to pay our, take our punishment. But the positive side of what Jesus has done is that Jesus, through his righteousness, is able to make us blameless and holy in God's sight by crediting to our account his record. So all my sin is placed on Jesus on the cross. God put my sin on Jesus and punished him in my place. Then he takes his perfect record and credits it to my account so that now God sees me as blameless. That is the good news of the gospel. Jesus did it all so that he could reconcile us to God. Now, how can you tell that that's beginning to make sense in your heart when you realize that through Jesus, though you had lost it all, Jesus did it all so that you could have it all. Now, in John 1, verse 12, John says, He as many as received him, to them he gave the right to be called children of God, even those who believe in his name. So how do we receive this gift? Because the Christian life is received through faith. It's not achieved through our effort. Now remember, flowers, thank you, I was only doing my duty doesn't work. The Christian life isn't achieved. It's received as a gift to as many as received him. To them, he gave the right to be called children of God. Do you see that? What do we get when we receive Jesus Christ? We receive a new record. We're blameless. We receive a new status. We're adopted into God's forever family. We're made children of God. You say, well, isn't everybody a child of God? No, we've already established that we're alienated, hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds. And we have to receive Christ in order to get the status of children of God. But if you receive Christ, you really do receive that status. You really are made a child of God. Jesus did it all so that we could have it all. So that we could not be brought halfway home, we could be brought all the way home and be made a part of God's forever family. We receive a new status, the adoption to sonship. And we receive a new security through the giving of the Holy Spirit to the church and to every believer, the Spirit says, I am a child of God. He's given us the Holy Spirit so that we would know all that we have. And the Bible says that we're sealed 
by the Holy Spirit of promise. That means, that's another way of saying we're reconciled. We're one with God. We have the sure and certain hope now and forever will never be cast out by God because we are reconciled through the blood of Jesus by his death. And when that moves in, we have the opportunity to receive it by faith. Have you? Listen, it's as simple as ABC that we admit, we admit what's true of us. That we really are alienated, hostile of mind, engaged in evil deeds. We admit that. We believe that Jesus died and shed his blood for us. God put our sin on Jesus and he took our punishment. And we believe that his righteousness can be credited to our account. And we receive that gift, eternal life, by committing to Jesus as Savior and Lord and asking him to move into our life and help us become the people he wants us to be. Now listen, you can talk to God right where you're sitting today, and you can tell him that that's the desire of your heart to put your trust in Christ and receive the gift of eternal life. You can come up after the service. I'd be happy to assist you. But listen, how can you tell that Jesus really has moved in, that you really are reconciled? Well, I come home tomorrow with two dozen roses. I give those two dozen roses to Sue Ellen. She says, oh, you remembered. Thank you so much. And I say, oh, Sue Ellen, I am the luckiest person in the world. You have been so faithful to me for, for all these years. I have disappointed you, and, I, and I've hurt you, and, I, and I've done so many things wrong, but, but you've been so faithful. I love you so much. I'm so blessed. If, if all the women in the world were lined up, I would choose you every time. I love you. I'm so glad you're my wife. How am I doing now? That's gospel hope, and that's gospel holiness, and that's gospel love. That's what the gospel produces in our lives. Is that what God, God's producing in you? See, if you understand that you lost it all, and Jesus did it all, and you can have it all, that's the kind of joy and delight and love for God that begins to be produced. And you don't say, oh, I'm just doing my duty. No. It's the joy and delight and love of your life to show glory and honor to Jesus who did it all so that you could have it all. Now, we have to turn a corner and come towards the end. And at the end of this passage that I read, Paul says, of which I was made a minister. I was made a minister. Now, the word minister is an interesting word. In the Greek, it's the word diakonos. And it, we get the word deacon from that word. Maybe you've heard of the demon deacons from Wake Forest. They're horrible. Don't like them. Okay, the deacons. You know what a deacon really is? 
The word diakonos means servant. Paul says, when this gospel moved into my life, my greatest joy, my greatest delight is in Jesus, and now I've made myself his servant. And I've made the world, I've made myself a servant to the world. Now, the Greeks, they had the word diakonos, but they didn't like it. They didn't use it. In fact, they thought that service was a wasted life. They thought that the way to get ahead in life was to get to the top and to be served and to have power and to have authority. Jesus came and the gospel came into the Greek world and the gospel changed everything so that the people who were at the top were at the top by going to the bottom. And Jesus modeled that. He said, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to diakonos, to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. So the church, when they wanted to come up with a title for the ministers, they chose the title diakonos. Not the arche, not the powerful people, not the first people, but the bottom people. Why would they do that? Because Jesus did it for us. And secondly, because Paul didn't expect himself to be the only minister. He expected that as he was a minister, everyone in the church would join him in the diakonos, the ministry. Everyone in the church would be a minister. Every member, a minister of the gospel. So much did Paul believe in that, that in the book of 2 Corinthians, in chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Okay, that's just a summary of what we've said so far. We lost it all, Jesus did it all, so we could have it all. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, all these things are from God. How did we get this in our life? By grace, through faith in Christ, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, what? The ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now, what's the ministry of reconciliation? It's an awareness that Jesus Christ has done it all for us, and therefore we go as servants, servants of reconciliation. It means that we go to take by service, deeds, and by words, the gospel, we take the reconciliation offered by God to the world. 
That means, how will Jesus Christ become known in your home when you serve? When you take the ministry of reconciliation to your spouse, to your children, to your grandchildren, how will Jesus Christ carry, how will the gospel be carried into your neighborhood when you carry out the ministry of reconciliation? When you take the low place and you serve and you care and you love, and that gives opportunity for you then to share the good news of the gospel. How will the gospel run through our schools when Christian boys and Christian girls take up the ministry of reconciliation and go as servants to showcase the love of Jesus to their classmates? How will, how will the world reconciled, how will the world be reconciled to the Father, through the Son, when we go as servants, as ministers of reconciliation. What do we take with us? We take the gospel, the word of reconciliation. What is the gospel? You've heard it this morning. We lost it all. Jesus did it all so that we could have it all. You've heard me week after week share the good news of the gospel with you. You know it. That's why I tell you again and again so that you know it so well that you could confidently share it with others. That's the ministry of reconciliation. Listen, can I just, can I just ask you a few questions? Christians, Listen, do do you have in your life a growing assurance that God really is your heavenly Father? Listen, do, do you have a growing assurance that you're reconciled, that God is your heavenly Father? Listen, Christian, do you find in your life that Jesus is more and more the subject of your conversation? at home, in your small groups, in your Bible studies? Are you talking more and more about Jesus and what he's done? Listen, are you able to see your weaknesses and boast in them because Jesus has reconciled you with God? Listen, Christian, are you judgy? Are you quick to point out other people's faults? Or are you moved with compassion for people and their lost condition? And do you long to see your your unsaved friends, your lost friends, reconciled back to our Heavenly Father? How's it going? How's it with you? Oh, listen, Jesus... Jesus reconciled us. And Jesus has entrusted to us, his church, the ministry of reconciliation. What if, what if this week, over 500 people from our church on our two campuses who heard the message this week went out as ministers of reconciliation 
Oh, we hear so much about how people need to be reconciled to one another. We know how through Jesus. What if we went out and in our homes and in our neighborhoods and in our schools, we went as a servant and carried it with us everywhere? The ministry of reconciliation through the word of reconciliation, the gospel. Let's pray. Jesus, help us. Help us to experience in our hearts that we really have been reconciled through the blood, through the death of Jesus. Oh, Jesus, no more judginess. Jesus, no more pride proud hearts. No, Jesus, we, we, were, we were alienated. We were hostile in mind. We were engaged in evil deeds, yet you, God, reconciled us through the death of your son. By the shedding of his blood, you put our sin on him and punished him in our place, and, and you credited us with righteousness. Oh, Jesus, thank you for doing it all so that we could have it all. If any of you are here this morning, you're, you're watching online, and, and you just sense that God's drawing you to himself right now, that you've never put your trust in Christ, you've never received him, won't you receive him now? Won't you tell him, Jesus, I admit, I was alienated, I am alienated, I am hostile in mind, I am engaged in evil deeds. Oh, but Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross you rose from the dead, and you invite me to receive you as Savior and Lord. Jesus, would you come into my life and, and help me become the person you want me to be? If you will, I'll follow you all the days of my life. But oh, Jesus, I pray that the gospel, the good news of your reconciling love, would so capture our hearts that we would gladly, joyfully take up the diaconus, the service of reconciliation. That you, through us, might reconcile all of St. John's County to yourself. All to the praise of your glory and grace. I pray in Jesus' name.